everyone. Uh, this is Luke John Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have a treat in store for you guys. Um, our guest is Mickey Kennedy, and he is an expert on press release and marketing. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of eReleases, uh, which helps firms generate game-changing media placement to elevate their credibility, reputation, media presence, and generate new sales. He does this for small businesses uh, at an affordable price because he realized uh, a while ago that even small businesses need this type of exposure and publicity, uh, and it's not, it can't just be reserved for the big boys. So uh, he, is, uh, he and his firm have helped to generate tens of millions of dollars in earned media uh, for his clients uh, when it comes to things like web traffic, sales, and new opportunities. And he's worked with over 10,000 clients, and uh, his team has helped to, to get those clients featured in publications like the Washington Post, ABC, uh, New York Times, Forbes, Business Insider, NBC, Fox, and other um, media outlets. And he's worked with uh, 20 Shark Tank companies, which is amazing. And so he has uh, been running this firm for over 22 years. And as an entrepreneur, he's faced many obstacles and setbacks, but he's always had comebacks. And uh, he's o- and he's also a, a poet, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, so we're very fortunate to have uh, Mickey Kennedy here as a guest. Uh, he was able to carve out some time in his packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. Uh, so we are very fortunate. Um, so I guess to start off, can you tell us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Sure. Um, so uh, I guess around 25 years ago, I was in graduate school in Northern Virginia uh, studying to be a poet. I was pursuing a Master's of Fine Arts in Creative Writing with an emphasis on poetry. I just assumed that I would be waiting tables uh, later in life. And so I uh, did that for the first summer after my first year, and it was a three-year program. And I realized pretty quickly that uh, I, I, my body and mind was not going to be able to write poetry in the evenings after working a full shift on my feet. And so I uh, transitioned to, <clears throat> to another job uh, at a telecom startup that would use my writing skills. And so uh, there I did a lot of stuff. I did some research. Uh, I did um, sales. And I transitioned into handling PR. Uh, it was a, uh, I think when I started, there were three other people full time. So it was a small place and we were doing a lot of things. And uh, I had to send uh, press releases by fax. And we had just gotten a new fax machine that could hold 100 numbers and uh, talked about how great that was because the old one only held like, I think, 14 or something like that. So I would program it with 100 numbers, hit send. It would take almost all day to, to broadcast. It was very loud. You couldn't silence it. And then I had to delete it, uh, all those numbers, and put, I think, around 80 or 90 more in because our uh, journalist database at the time was about 190 journalists. Um, I started getting uh, uh, calls from journalists saying, hey, we received your press release by fax. Could you just email it to me so that I could just copy and paste a lot of those numbers and statistics? 
And a light bulb went off and said, you know, email. That's so much easier and better and cheaper than, uh, you know, faxing. So I mentioned it to my boss, and he said, hey, that's a great business idea. You should just start a business like that. So um, <laughs> I, I spent about a year contacting journalists and asking them if they would uh, uh, give me permission to send them press releases by email. Almost everybody said yes. I mean, this was a time – when uh, 1997, I think, when I was contacting them, uh, when email was still fairly new, and, and this was kind of a novel way to, to get uh, content directly to journalists. Um, I did that over several years successfully, and then PR Newswire contacted me and said, hey, wouldn't it be great if you also sent these press releases through us? And I said, yeah, but my customers are paying two to $400 a release, and you're charging over $1,000 to move a release nationally. And so uh, we went back and forth and uh, found some win-win situations. For example, a lot of our releases are scheduled for next day distribution. They have an editorial team that works overnight that doesn't do much. So mm -hmm. they could work on our press releases and set them up, and it wouldn't cost them additional labor. So uh, we sort of approached it like that and uh, we're able to negotiate a rate uh, where uh, my customers can get access to PR Newswire. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, I say win-win because these are people that normally wouldn't go to PR Newswire. They wouldn't pay mm -hmm. a subscription. They wouldn't spend $1,000 a release. Many of them are doing two to four releases a year. So the salespeople at PR Newswire would never be interested in talking to them because they're busy talking to people doing two to four releases a week. And mm. they're adding multimedia and spending anywhere from ten to $15,000 a week. So um, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, it opened up small businesses to a part of PR that normally they just didn't have access to. And, uh that's sort of been, you know, my driving force during all of this is to try to provide a resource for small businesses to get um, that ability to leverage PR. Um, last year during the pandemic, we did a press release for Dining Bond Initiative, which sort of borrowed the bond concept from the war bonds during the uh, Great War uh, and World War II. And... Uh, they got phenomenal media pickup. Uh, you know, there was so much negative stuff uh, early on in the pandemic. Journalists were looking for positive stuff. And here was a way in which uh, uh, local restaurants, your local restaurant that's currently closed, uh, could receive revenue. And it was basically uh, you, you spend $50 and you get $100 of, of gift certificate credit with, at your local restaurant. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, you know, thousands of restaurants participated. Um, they got, we, we quit counting after 150 articles uh, published. Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, um, CNN, all the food magazines and, and blogs and trade publications. Um, they just got enormous media pickup. Hundreds of thousands of people clicked through to, to the site to just, you know see if their restaurant was there, if not nominate it, and uh, you know a lot of money was raised that helped restaurants, and and that's the kind of thing that can happen for just a few hundred dollars if you're newsworthy enough and you're you're out there at the right moment. You could never replicate that through paid advertising to you know literally drive hundreds of thousands of visitors through paid clicks would, mm -hmm. would be, be cost prohibitive. But that's the kind of thing that can happen with PR. 
And, uh, you know, more normally what happens with a successful press release is anywhere from four to 12 media outlets will cover uh, a story. And you are ultimately looking for someone to write an article or spotlight a business, whether it's radio and TV, uh, maybe even interview, uh, an original. You're not looking for a reprint of the press release. That does happen through syndication. And there are a lot of online-only press release businesses that that's all they do. They'll take your press mm. release, they'll replicate it on a few sites. Those sites don't get traffic. They might look good. You can put a logo up that says you appeared on a certain place, but uh, nobody wrote an article about you. And, you know, that's the ultimate goal of PR. So I do have to explain to some people who've dallied with press releases in the past and had to explain to them that you never reached a single journalist. Um, you just got syndicated to a few sites. While that does happen on the Newswire with PR Newswire, uh, you know, the real value there is PR Newswire's network of journalists. Um, they have over 1.7 million journalists in their uh, database. And, uh, uh, you know, they have infrastructure directly into newsrooms. Journalists love to pull press releases off the Newswire. Uh, it streams by industry, uh, mm. the, the headlines. And the journalists can actually create modifiers in there so that it can, you know, not show certain types of press releases that have mentioned certain keywords, or they can capture press releases that do mention certain keywords. So they can make a very customized experience just for them. And so it's a really great way for journalists who are looking for content uh, and to stay uh, abreast of, of their industry to sort of see what's going on. And uh, I, I, it just excites me because it's a way in which a, a really small business can get the same opportunity as a large Fortune 500 company. I would actually even say that it's easier for the smaller company because journalists like to rally behind a, a small and unknown company more than they like to promote a large, uh, you know, publicly traded company, for example. Uh, because, you know, there's, there's a certain thing. Uh, about large companies to just pay for placement. Uh, the smaller companies are the ones that uh, really don't have the, the money to do that. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a leverage that just happens with PR. And I think that small businesses are, are, are ripe for the opportunity to seize on that. <clears throat> wow, that's wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your story. And it's interesting um, you know, I could feel the passion in your voice. I can tell you're you're one who loves to to root for the underdog to to uh, help and assist small businesses. That's amazing. And it's it's interesting when it comes to small businesses, they make up my understanding is ninety seven percent of the economy. And so, uh, you know, these big businesses aren't the ones who employ uh, most folks. They're they're not the ones really keeping the economy floating. It's it's really these small businesses. Uh, that are doing that. And it's interesting how you said that in some ways it's more advantageous for small businesses because uh, people in the media actually like reporting on them more. And so uh, that's amazing. I think that's something a lot of small business owners may not know, uh, that this kind of uh, thing is available for them, this kind of exposure and, and, and whatnot to press release marketing. Um, so it's interesting how life turns. Uh, obviously, you studied poetry. You, you thought you'd be a, a poet uh, and you know, be a full-time poet like Robert Frost and whatnot. And, and you, your life sort of took uh, maybe a, a, another kind of unexpected direction. Obviously, you still do the poetry, of course. And right. it's interesting uh, how that is. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, you saw the opportunity. You came up with the idea. You took it. You grabbed it. 
you saw how working with fax machines wasn't as efficient as working with email, uh, which was fairly new at the time. The Internet was in its infancy, infancy during the 90s and whatnot. And you grabbed the hold of that idea, and it's been working for you for two-plus decades. So, uh, you know, that light bulb went, went off in your head. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's great when you have one of those. Uh, and you have, And I can tell you have that creativity and whatnot to come up with these ideas and solutions uh, to make life easier for small business owners and, and whatnot. Um, so, uh, again, thank you for sharing your story. Now, you talked about how uh, you have helped firms weather the storm with the pandemic. Uh, that was actually going to be my next question about uh, what challenges has the pandemic posed for, for business and entrepreneurialism in general. Um, can you expand on that? Sure. So, uh, you know, some of my customers have had a terrible time during the pandemic. Um, they, uh, their businesses have gone on uh, standby mode. Uh, they've had to lay off. There's just been, you know, a lot of hardship with some. Others, uh, things, they, they pivoted. And so, like, we had uh, some uh, distilleries that started to make hand sanitizer and stuff like that. And they sent out press releases talking about what they were doing and about their pivots and stuff like that. So um, during the pandemic, it was a busy time for press releases um, for us, which was fortunate. But, there, you know, uh, every time I, I was reaching out to my customer base, there were those who just said, you know, we're hurting really badly. There was a foundation that works with Broadway. And, you know, all of Broadway and theater has just been shut down. And there's really, other than, you know, some – uh, uh, loans and things like that, there's been very little for people in that space. So I can understand, you know, that in, in certain small businesses, restaurants are one of those ones that's also been greatly affected. Some have been able to pivot and have takeout and things like that. But, uh, you know, for businesses that relied on, uh, you know, turnover and, and having, uh, you know, people come into the restaurant, it has been difficult. Um, you know, but that being said, I, I think that small businesses in general are resilient. Um, there's a lot of positive energy. I think that they're quick to adapt. They're quick to change. They're quick to pivot when they can. And they're also, I, I, I think, uh, they're, they're the ones that uh, often first suffer when there's a, a recession or, or something that happens. Mm. So I just try to be there for everyone, try to help as I can. I did issue several free releases for people who were in a very difficult position over this past year who were just loyal customers because I know mm. that, um, you know, I, 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 I was busy, so I felt like I, I should absorb some of that as well and, and help people out because people do appreciate it. And I, I think a lot of these businesses are going to rebound and uh, they'll eventually be able to, you know, come back to us and be customers. So um, it, it is one of those things that uh, it, it, it's, it's difficult to watch and it's difficult to be part of where some people are suffering and, um, you know, but other people are, were just better suited for pivoting and, and things like that. There were some uh, people who were selling products and services that just started to shift to selling masks and things like that they had never sold before because it seemed like there was, you know, an opportunity and a need for it. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And it's interesting how uh, some businesses, like the same type of businesses, uh, affected with the same crisis, uh, a few would shut down, but some would actually pivot and in some cases thrive. Um, it, it's weird how that works. 
Yeah. You right. know, there's a saying that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. Uh, right. <laughs> I believe that. And there, um, there are yeah. some instances, I think, that there just isn't a pivot. Um, the, the association that works with uh, Broadway and helping children attend Broadway and stuff like that, they're, they're just, I don't, I, you know, I couldn't see a pivot. And of course, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, it just wasn't there for them, but for other mm. people, you know, uh, there, you know, there was, and I hope mm. that everybody who had an opportunity, you know, were, were able to adapt uh, that could, uh, because it is, it is a difficult situation. I know in my area, there's a lot of restaurants that have just, you know, sadly shut down and announced online that they won't be reopening just because it, it was just too much. And mm-hmm. uh, with the months of paying rent and the money not there, it, it makes it very difficult, you know, but that being said, it's a great opportunity for someone else. There might be someone who has been wanting to start a restaurant and now there are, uh, there's space available with equipment mm-hmm. ready to go inside. So, um, you know, I think that the, 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 like I said, small businesses will just, you know, bounce back um, and mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, hopefully the people, the servers, the staff, the, the 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 cooks, and things like that will just be able to transition to to to, a, to another opportunity. Mm. Yeah, and definitely, obviously, it's very tough for, uh, for certain firms. And I'm I'm glad you clarified that. Uh, I guess for some firms out there, it, was, it may not have been possible to pivot, so to speak. Uh, but uh, I, I would say for other firms, uh, particularly small businesses, you mentioned they have that advantage of being agile. Um, they're quicker to change in a big business. And I think that's an amazing advantage that small businesses have because even big businesses have to learn to pivot, but it's harder at that point when you're big <laughs> to change. Right. You know, you look at firms like uh, Kodak and uh, Blockbuster, and they're kind of set in their ways and not open to change, and they paid the price for that. So sure. uh, <laughs> businesses always have to learn how to make changes, adjust, and adapt, and, and whatnot. You look at Netflix, they're not their business model is not exactly the same as it was when they first started, but they were able to adapt and they, they're the beneficiaries of that being willing to be agile, to be flexible, change. So uh, I'm curious now, obviously uh, there'll be a time of the pandemic uh, will go away for the most part, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, particularly with the ramped up distribution of vac- vaccines. I'm going to get my first shot tomorrow. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> happy about that. Uh, so, uh, I'm curious, where do you see things in the future, and where do you see yourself in, in that future? Well, um, I, I think that uh, I continue to see myself being a champion for small businesses, um, giving them access to the media. Um, I've seen media change a lot over the past uh, 22, 23 years. Um, and, uh, you know, first it was bloggers. And I, I will admit that the PR industry didn't know what to do with them early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the Newswire wouldn't let bloggers have access to uh, journalist accounts. Um, and uh, over time, I think they recognized that there are some bloggers that have became more influential than the trade industry, uh, trade publications in that industry. And so they started to accept them. I, I see them now pivoting and accepting more social media influencers, giving them access to press releases and the wire. Um, wow. For example, in uh, fashion, uh, there's a lot of uh, social media influencers, especially on Instagram, 
that are very influential and probably have more traffic and a larger following than many fashion trade publications and magazines. And so I, I will uh, applaud the, the industry for, uh, you know, accepting uh, social media and influencers uh, because they weren't very welcoming early on with bloggers when they first came out. Uh, but I think that people know that media is changing and transitioning. Uh, you know, where we get our news and our content is, is evolving. Um, you know, a lot of people are getting it from uh, Facebook and Twitter and, and different places like that. And, it, you know, it, it, those are all additional opportunities. And I think that um, it, it just magnifies the amount of leverage that you potentially could get, uh, you know, through a press release. Uh, there are uh, other ways to, to get uh, media pickup. Uh, some of it is tried and true by, you know, personal pitching, but it's very labor intensive and you have to be mm. extremely targeted, you know, to, you know, I, the best PR professional can probably only do, you know, you know, 15 to 20 pitches a day. And so that's not uh, very easy and it does take a toll on you. I don't think it's something you would want to do, uh, you know, every day of, 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 the, of the month. Uh, so uh, there has to be another way, and I think that press releases are the most effective and most efficient way to sort of get out there and, and make yourself available. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I, I do agree that we're seeing a rise of a new type of media or a new addition to the, to the new addition, additional categories to media, if that makes sense, in terms of these uh, social media influencers, these, uh, also bloggers, and I, I would throw in podcasts too. Uh, sure, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, you know, it's interesting that uh, Obama, uh, the uh, former president and uh, musician uh, Bruce Springsteen, they're actually they actually co-host a podcast, uh, which I hear oh. is really good. Funny thing, how a president uh, would do a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never would have guessed that, right? That's very right. Uh, very odd. But it, it, it's becoming, you know, these blogs, these podcasts, these. These social media influencers, uh, they're growing in power, growing in influence. And, uh, you know, my understanding is that Kylie Jenner, uh, she has a large following on um, uh, Twitter, right, one of the largest ever. She actually became uh, perhaps the youngest self-made billionaire because she came up with a makeup line and all her fans bought it, and boom, she's a billionaire, right? <laughs> so uh, weird how that happens. Uh, you know, just with social media influence. And so, yeah, it's, it's becoming very powerful, uh, you know, social media and, and these blogs and podcasts and whatnot. Uh, I'm curious, obviously, um, you know, when I was doing research on you, uh, you talked about how the uh, ROI uh, on press release marketing is very high and uh, it may be one of the best forms, if not the best form of marketing for small businesses and whatnot. Um, obviously, that uh, you were ahead of the curve. Right, you started sure. your firm in ninety eight, I believe. You've been doing this with a lot of experience, uh, I'm sure. But obviously, there's been a rise in, I'm guessing, competition. Other firms trying to offer press releases, I'm assuming, right, to small businesses. Sure. Um, I'm curious, what competitive advantage do you have? Like, what do you do better than some of these other guys who do that kind of marketing, and perhaps other marketing firms who use social media or other avenues to help firms like what makes you guys and your firm really special and effective for, for the clients? Right. I think it's twofold. Uh, one is customer service. 
Um, we don't have any salespeople, so when you call us or uh, chat with us online, you're dealing with an editor. Uh, we have six editors, and uh, you know there's no commissions, there's no quota. So uh, all my editors uh, know that if we're talking to someone and it doesn't look like PR is a good fit for you for whatever reason, they're empowered to say so. And so there's an integrity that, that I feel that we have um, that not other companies do. Uh, one of the biggest questions we get from people is, I, I have an announcement and I just want to get local media. And the first thing we tell them and everyone at our uh, office tells them is, you don't need us. You don't need to pay anybody any money for local media. Uh, every local business is probably surrounded by no more than 10 people who would write about them. And I'm including radio and TV because there are some programs that do business spotlights and they could potentially cover you as well. Mm. You just figure out who it is that writes about businesses like yours, your size, your industry uh, at the newspaper. Uh, if there's a business publication, if there's a local paper uh, and uh, just get their email address by asking, they'll, they'll give it to you. It's not a secret. And uh, you just call and ask for it, and you'll get it. For radio and TV, you usually want to reach the producer or booker uh, for the person, uh, for the show that you're trying to reach. You never want to reach the host directly. Um, and, uh, you know, once you have that list of just a few people, you can then just stay in touch with them. Give them announcements as you have things that you want to promote. Uh, mm -hmm. Your local uh, in, in the area, so they want to help you uh, if it's a good fit. If you see stuff trending in your industry, feel free to uh, point that out to them and say that you'd love to talk about this subject. Um, if you have a tip for them that doesn't even apply to you, you can just give them it, and that will create goodwill so later down the road they'll remember you when you, do, when you are promoting yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a reason that a lot of people see the same local businesses in print and on TV and the radio. And it's often because they're the most accessible. They establish relationships with journalists. And it's very natural uh, to, for us humans to, uh, you know, help those who help you and that those that you know and develop relationships with. So I, I always say when it comes to local media, uh, you should just grab that opportunity yourself and, 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 and run with it. And if you don't have a budget for PR, you do have a budget for local PR, and it's accessible, and it's a great way uh, to, to reach out. I say try to do it four times a year, more if you have more milestones or things to share. But try to stay uh, you know, in touch with them on a quarterly basis, letting them know what you've got going on or what trends you see and how you'd be applicable to that and be a great uh, person to talk to and discuss that and help them build a story. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for that. It's interesting how uh, obviously you mentioned that you put the customers first and you're not trying to get anything over them and, uh, you know, you don't have salespeople <laughs> and that's great. And so if, you know, you talk to them about what they need and if you guys aren't the right fit or if there's better, better alternatives and you have the integrity to tell them that you're not pushy or desperate or hungry for any kind of business. And I think, when you when you have that integrity, that impresses folks a lot because it's not very common, unfortunately, when it comes to marketing. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that's amazing. And, and I uh, think our biggest um, uh, value that we have, most people aren't even aware of it, and that's that PR Newswire distribution. Uh, mm -hmm. We're the only 
company that offers a national distribution over PR Newswire uh, and the email send that we do, anything close to our pricing. I think the next person out there, it's like more than double what we charge for that. And uh, so, you know, that's a real big value. But for the average small business that comes across us, they don't realize that PR Newswire is such a big deal. They don't realize how expensive PR Newswire is. And mm. so it, it, is, it is one of those things that I feel like uh, one of our, our, our best attributes, people don't seem to understand uh, what it is and how important it is. Wow. Um, so, so you essentially have to educate a lot of entrepreneurs about right. what it is and why it's important. And I imagine some may understand how it's important, some may not, or, you know, or it takes time because it's not a common way of doing marketing, right? It's not the first thing sure. you think of when you're a small business owner. So I guess that may be, I guess, a challenge you guys sort of have to deal with, but I'm sure you're dealing with it more than okay at this point. <laughs> sure. And you've got several uh, results, I'm sure, amazing results uh, for your clients. Uh, I'm curious, uh, obviously you've helped out a lot of business owners. Um, can you tell us uh, any of the most moving or entertaining stories from your life or career? Well, um, I, I have several over the years. Um, let me just uh, think about one that's really good. Um, we, we, we did early on save someone's life once, and uh, it was uh, a client of mine. Uh, who was, I knew he was from Russia, and I talked to him a couple of times, very thick accent, and he would do press releases occasionally for him or his clients. And then all of a sudden he came to me and said, look, um, I, I uh, defected to the U.S. in 1992, and I've been here for a while, but now the government's reversed itself, and they've put me on the plane, and I have a seat number for like this Thursday. And I've already been told, because I've testified against the Russian mob, that there are people who are already deciding where they're going to park outside the air- airport when my plane lands. Mm. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he said, I, I've exhausted every legal avenue. My lawyer says at this point, for the several hundred thousand dollars I've given him over the last couple of years, we 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 there's nothing else for us to do and i'm going to be on that plane on friday so you know could you get this release out so we sent the release out um it got picked up in the wall street journal rather quickly and uh in a matter of like one day he got a call from his local congressperson and said this has been taken care of you don't need to worry about you know leaving the country on thursday and uh, he's still here. Uh, that's been more than 10 years ago. Wow. And, and everything. But he, he was at the end of his rope, and he had exhausted considerable you know, money on this legal battle. And legally, he had done everything he could. He had appealed everything he could. There was nothing left for him. So mm-hmm. he turned to PR. And PR is the one thing where influence can sometimes work for you. And so, you know, when people read about this guy who came here uh, and was granted, you know, political asylum for basically opposing the corruption in post-Soviet Russia and Mm. testifying about all of that, that, you know, it it was a story that people felt, you know, emotional about. And uh, it it worked things that the legal system couldn't. And sometimes 
in our country, it's great to have that safety net where uh, personal opinion and uh, you know sentiment can drive things. We're seeing a lot of change over the past year uh, with you know the Black Lives um, Movement mm-hmm. and other things where public sentiment is driving change and it's doing things that the legal system has not yet caught up to and mm-hmm. eventually, hopefully, it will. Um, but, you know, that's all PR. A lot of that is. I mean, there's a lot uh, of press releases behind that effort. There's a lot of people working contacts with the media. There's a lot of people being interviewed by the media and sharing experiences and bringing things to light that for, you know, a lot of America, we didn't know it was there or we mm. finally ignored it. And, and I don't think we can anymore. Wow. Um, that's amazing. So it just goes to show you the power of press release marketing. And, you know, you're educating me because I, I wasn't too familiar with press release marketing until you reached out to me and I saw what you did. And it was like, huh, I, I, I guess there is something to this. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's funny. Um, so that, and it's, it's, uh, it, but it's amazing how you did save this gentleman's life. Uh, right. It just, just goes, again, to show you the power of it. And I think it's something more uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners need to realize and take advantage of. And my understanding is obviously you guys don't charge uh, the high exorbitant fees uh, like some other right. uh, uh, folks and whatnot, no commissions, and you, you don't have salespeople. And so uh, that's amazing. And um, so good on you for saving this man's life. And it's, all, it's been over 10 years. He's still with us. And so that's amazing. Uh, thank you so much for that excellent story. And um, so I'm curious, obviously, we've been talking a lot about small businesses and whatnot. Uh, I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't mention the fact that uh, there's a high failure rate uh, with businesses. And this is prior to the pandemic, of course. Uh, a lot of new businesses fail within the first couple of years. Um, since you work with a lot of small business owners and whatnot, I'm, I'm cu- and you're an entrepreneur yourself, I'm curious, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs and uh, to turn these stats around? And why do you think the failure rate is this high to begin with, though? I think that there's a lot of people who start business with a desire to start a business and to own something and to be proud of it. And uh, psychologically and emotionally, it's a beautiful thing. But there's also the issue of what is it that you're doing that's different than everybody else? And, I, and, and one of the things that I do when I work with, like, premium clients, because we do have a, a, a higher-end service, the personal publicist program, where we basically design and uh, run the campaigns for the, uh, the client. And one of the things that we do during our audit is try to figure out what their unique selling proposition is, USP. And a lot of small businesses don't go into business with one in mind. And uh, when you ask them, what do you do that's different than everybody else, a lot of them were like, well, you know, we sell really good yogurt. And, uh, but, you know, sadly, uh, you know, that's, that's not a defining moment uh, or defining thing. Uh, it could be the brand that you've decided to align yourself with as a franchisee. I mean, that's a unique selling proposition. But, you know, what, 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 what's so important about that brand? What, what does that brand give you? Uh, sometimes, you know, is it their marketing and their spend and things like that? Uh, uh, you know, their, their recognition for, 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 for being out there. 
So I, I always go through this exercise with my clients, and sometimes my clients have realized they didn't really have a unique selling proposition, but when they went back and talked with their people, they came up with one. And it, at the end of the day, it, it made them a better business because all of a sudden they had something that they felt was better than all their competitors, and they could then defend it and, and say, this is what makes us unique and makes us different from all the other companies that are out there. Um, you know, for, for e-releases, our, our USP is our customer service. And then second, that, uh, you know, custom national distribution you get through PR Newswire with us that you can't get through anybody else for anything close to our, our pricing. And, uh, you know, if PR Newswire negotiated with someone else the same kind of deal, then that could certainly go away. But there's also this, this whole business that I've created where we try to help and I think that that's a little bit harder for people to replicate because uh, so many businesses take the, the, the short path to profitability, and sometimes it's taking money from people that you probably shouldn't have. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've had uh, self-published authors call me who are desperate and down to just a few dollars, and they're willing to give it to me if I can, you know, make them successful or great. And I tell them, you know, I, I, I can't guarantee that. It's very unlikely. Um, in, in one case where I was talking to a woman who had written a, um, a fictional uh, historical novel, uh, I, I, I explained to her that novels don't do well with PR. Uh, hmm. Unfortunately, the power of a good novel is how it was written, the story that was weaved, all the things you can't really capture in a press release. Because hmm. you can tell people this was well-written novel. But everyone's going to say that. And so uh, really for a book reviewer to uh, write a story about a novelist, they're generally going to read it or review the book and, and give it some consideration. They really rarely do that. They often will go by word of mouth, hope that uh, certain contacts at bookstores who read you know, voluminous amount of books will recommend a couple unknown mm -hmm. every once in a while. But it, it's very rare that a press release is going to sway somebody uh, in, in doing something like that. I think another business would have probably taken her money. And you know, mm. for me, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a meaningful boost to my revenue. And all it would have done was sort of prey on her desire and, and, and need, uh, you know, to want to, to get it out there. I, my heart goes out for, for novelists and people who are self-published because it is hard to stand out. And, uh, you know, as, as I told her, one of the things that you can do is sort of, you know, champion and rally people around you in your community. Uh, local uh, authors can get book readings at their bookstores. Uh, yeah, she said, oh, my bookstore won't give me a book reading. And I said, sure, they will. I said, if you tell them on Tuesday night or whenever they are not busy that you're going to bring uh, 20 to 30 people in there to listen to you read a book, and she goes, well, how would I bring 20 or 30 people? And I was like, well, you can pr promote yourself on Facebook. Uh, your community paper has a calendar. Uh, there's there's lots of, of places out there that will that will list you, you know. But also, uh, you know, get your friends and family to tell other people and and for them to show up as well. And then she goes, oh yeah, I could get the girls at church to come. And I was like, there you go. I mean, you 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 really have to rely on your own network 
and get people to help you out. It's the same way for many small businesses as well. Uh, you know, once you're starting the first few years with Alinas, and it's completely appropriate to, to ask for help and to get help from those around you, friends, family, other people. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's how, uh, you know, people get started and they do well. It's the same concept behind, um, you know, like Kickstarter and Indiegogo. It's just with a little bit of help from other people, uh, it can push you through, you know, and across the finish line. Wonderful. Wow. Thank you um, so much for that. So it's interesting how a lot of businesses, they start off, uh, as you mentioned, on, on the on the wrong foot. That may be one of the reasons for the high failure rate. You talked about um, how a lot of businesses don't have that USP, that unique selling proposition. Uh, you, you noticed that when you were doing audits uh, for firms, and a lot of times when you brought this up, they went ahead and got one or they figured out uh, what it is. And essentially, it's what they do differently from other firms. It's not about having the best, uh, having really good yogurt, uh, so to speak. It has to be more specific than that. And so that's amazing because obviously you said before a lot of business owners start off with a dream, but uh, you can have that dream, but you have to flesh out the details a little bit, right? And so important for business owners to do that. And you talked a lot about how uh, it's tough for self-published authors and novelists and uh, you mentioned again how you have that integrity. You don't try to take people's money uh, if you don't think your what you offer is a good fit for for them to solve their issue or problem. And that's amazing. You know, not a lot of uh, folks are are that way. Unfortunately, uh, that integrity doesn't appear to be so common, particularly in the marketing industry. And so, with all these you know hungry salespeople trying to make a buck or commission. And so, again, I think that integrity is amazing. And But you gave her alternatives. In that story, um, you talked about what she could do. You know, she could do a book reading at her uh, bookstore. She can get some people. She can uh, utilize her network, uh, you know, the ladies in the, in, in the church. So I think it's amazing that you, you do offer alternatives to help people if what you have yourself with your firm is not a good fit and to help business owners to thrive and whatnot. And uh, so, uh, again, uh, thank you so much for that. I think, again, it's important for business owners to have that that unique selling proposition and to get the right kind of help for their needs. Uh, If you're a novelist, you know, obviously doing PR is not the best, you know, press release marketing is not the the best way to get your name out there. Um, Now, you talked a lot about um, in in the story about how she can dive into her network, right? Um, I guess that brings me to my next question, um, the power of networking. And uh, obviously networking helps uh, a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs to help get them to the point where they can mostly or solely rely on referrals, which is amazing. And so I'm curious, uh, what networking advice would you have for people? And this also goes for job hunters, people looking for work. I would say to uh, don't be embarrassed or ashamed of just putting yourself out there. Um, I've had uh, – several people on LinkedIn approach me in a way that I've never been approached before. And uh, I get so many sales messages through LinkedIn. (laughs) It's almost like 
I, I, I blind, I'm blinded by, by this stuff. I don't even see it anymore where, uh, you know, someone will uh, want to join my network and then they have a message where they're like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I have had uh, messages that I do react to, and they tend to be ones that are not formulaic. Uh, they're asking for help, and they're just like, hey, I know this is stupid, but I couldn't think of who else to turn to. I'm a recent graduate in journalism, and I see that you have a lot of experience in PR. I'm not sure if I need to go back to college and get a degree in public relations. I didn't take any public relations classes when I did my journalism degree because I wanted to be a writer, and now i found that there's just not any writing jobs out there for me. Uh, do you think I should get, you know, and I just felt like, you know, those are the types of things that I respond to. And I, I, I find the common thing is that it's just a, a regular person putting themselves out there, being vulnerable, and, and just asking for help. I think it's very human for us to want to help. And when it's mm-hmm. a fear thing, when it's a salesperson saying, hey, I, I, I'd, I'd love to chat with you for 30 to 45 minutes and show you our new platform and what we can do. I have no interest in that. And, uh, but uh, when someone just reaches out and is asking for uh, specifically advice, I'm very, you know, giving with it. And I think that a lot of people are, are like that. So I say that whatever networking you do in whatever mechanism you do it, whether it's social media, LinkedIn, uh, in your own local community, reaching out to local journalists, and things like that, just be authentic and be real and, uh, uh, you know, just use language that's natural to you. Um, you know, you can ask for help. You can ask for advice. Um, I think people are willing to give it. Um, I, I see on uh, – there's been several of these shows in the past where there's failing businesses mm. and they ask for help and the profit's one of those where people come in and they help. And often mm. me and a few of my marketing friends would watch The Profit and some of these other shows, and we would say, yeah, there's so much these businesses could be doing. I don't know why mm. they're not doing X, Y, and Z, and why they have to turn to a show. And I think it's because <laughs> people are afraid to ask for help. Um, I think that it's easy to ask a show that specializes in that for help, but you're joining thousands of others. I think that uh, there's nothing wrong if you're a business and you're not doing well uh, to reach out to marketing companies in your community and say, look, I'm a local business and I'm failing. I, I, this might be a one in a thousand shot, but would you be willing to look over my shoulder and, and give me some ideas what I could do to save my business? I guarantee you in your local area, if you contacted three or four marketing companies, I would be shocked if at least one didn't give you several hours of their time and actually help you at no charge. Um, and uh, I, I, I think that there's uh, a sort of, I don't know what it is, but there's a reluctance for people to seek out local media, to seek out local help. I, I think people need to build their own network and to just be authentic and get out there and ask for help when they need it, ask for advice when they need it, and uh, don't be afraid to, to, you know, yeah, we all have this fear that we're going to appear stupid or in over our head, but we're not going to ever be able to go forward if we don't get a little bit of help from others. And, uh, you know, it took me many years to figure out a lot of things in my business that I just, uh, you know, 
would talk to other marketers and they would tell me, you should be doing this. And uh, I, I didn't know that. I mm. never emailed I never emailed my customers for the first eight years of my business. Wow. I would email them when they placed an order and when the order went out to let them know, but I never followed up with them. I actually felt like that might be considered spam to contact your customers. And a marketer said, no, it's kind of, you know, it, it's a relationship that you've let die by not communicating with them and, you know, keeping them abreast of what's going on in your business and things like that. So I, 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 I literally didn't email any of my customers for eight or nine years, and now mm. I'm very comfortable doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I probably, you know, the first time I emailed my customers, I think that, you know, uh, at the time I was doing like, I don't know, four or $5,000 a day of business. The, mm. the day that I, I emailed them and the following couple of days, I think were like $10,000 plus days because wow. all of a sudden I was in their mind and they were thinking of me because I communicated mm. with them. And if you're not, on someone's radar and constantly, or not constantly, but regularly checking in with them, you, you sort of get lost and you want to mm -hmm. be front of mind with people. And so I, I feel like, uh, you know, regular communication, regular exposure is important. Uh, you know, asking for help, getting yourself out there, um, finding out what's working for other people, which you can only do if you network and build relationships with people. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that advice. And um, it's similar to advice I've heard from others. And, um, you know, actually, I love LinkedIn for networking because it allows you to do targeted networking. Uh, but people, of course, have to do it right. Um, networking is not the same thing as sales. And uh, <laughs> totally different. It's about building relationships. And one of the way, and so selling on the first handshake, as, as some do at networking events, is not the best way to, to go about networking. And so um, <laughs> these, uh, these sales messages on LinkedIn, they, I, I, in, in many ways they amount to spam, um, and I think it annoys a lot of people. Uh, but people can set themselves apart by, um, you said before, by requesting uh, assistance or help from others because people have that need, that human need to help others and mentor others. So it, it's good to, to take advantage of that. And I've, I've also found starting relationships off by providing value and giving first is, is great. Um, that's uh, one of the reasons why I started the podcast. I can start relationships by, by building value and whatnot. And, of course, I, I, I think the advice you've given is it was amazing. And it's interesting how you, um, you did that one tweak. Uh, you told that story about how you didn't really, for eight years, you didn't email folks. And then once you started communicating with people and emailing them, uh, you know, your, your income, it, it looks like it almost doubled or in, in the beginning, right? Um, that's amazing. It did. I mean, it was, it was there, that the, the day that I sent that email and the next few days were phenomenal days for me. It went back to normal after a week or so, but mm. I realized what if I sent uh, an email to my customers every two to four weeks? That same that same uh, top of mind and and uh, increase in revenue happens, and it, it still happens to this day. Um, I can look at a a, a a busy day 
and and say, did I send an email then? And I was like, yep, you sent an email that morning. So that explains it. And it's because people, um, you know, for a service like mine, where people do two to four releases a year, they're always sitting on a story that they should be moving on and they forget, life gets in the way. And then all of a sudden an email from Mickey comes and they go, oh, yeah, I need to upload that release and send it out. I've been <laughs> on it and maybe even thinking of not doing it and I should just go ahead and do it. And so mm. uh, it, does, it does put you there uh, in, the, in the frame of mind and, uh, you know, it, it, it's feeding the relationship. Communication does that. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, I like how you uh, you talked about staying top of mind. Uh, so, so important when it comes to networking. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, and I got this from reading a book by uh, Shet Holmes called The Ultimate Sales Machine, um, only a small percentage of people buy what you're selling when you first approach them. So <laughs> it turns out um, most buying opportunities to, uh, and most opportunities where people buy something from you it comes from people who don't buy from you uh, right away, but a year from now or two years from now. So it's all about building a relationship and staying in touch and staying top of mind. So when that need arises for your product or service, they, they, they know to reach out to you. And I think a lot of salespeople uh, don't uh, truly understand this. And if they did, um, they would understand the importance of, of networking and building relationships and whatnot and staying top of mind. So um, it's something that I think a lot of folks need to truly understand. Um, so, again, um, thank you so much for that uh, incredible story. Um, I, I'm curious, what would you say to someone who's listening to you and says, you know what, I want to do what Mickey's doing. You know, I love small businesses. I want to help them. I want to you know, sell marketing services of some kind, whether it's press release marketing or SEO uh, to, to, to firms. Um, what would you say to them? Um, I would say figure out what it is that you offer that's different than other people in the space. Um, if you don't have something, create something. It could be the way that you guarantee your service. It could be, uh, you know, the way that you do your SEO is a little bit different than everyone else. It could be, you, you know, you name it, but figure out what it is that you're going to do that separates you from everybody else and, and lead from there. It could also just be the way that you choose to market yourself as well. I think that that can be a unique selling proposition. There are businesses that, uh, the, you know, the way they operate is a little different than everybody else. And so, um, you know, uh, I, I always like uh, companies that sort of educate. I, I, I'm an educator uh, in my business. I have to educate people what a press release is, uh, mm. what, a, what, what a newswire is, why PR newswire is so important, and things like that. So I naturally have an affinity for other people to educate me about their market and their space. And, you know, once I sort of feel that they're an expert, I trust them and I feel, you know, more likely to do business with them. And uh, um, I, I, I've done that with, uh, you know, lots of little businesses over the years. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's something that puts me at ease when I feel like I can trust them and I'm being handled by someone who really knows their industry or knows what, what it is that, uh, you know, they're, they're selling to me. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that advice. So it's all about what, 
what you can do that's different from others, right? And you know, developing that uh, or coming up with that competitive advantage. And and if you know what you're talking about, you're, and you can educate uh, the potential prospect or client, uh, that helps you to be it. You know, when you're an educator and whatnot. And of course, in your uh, in what you do personally, you have to educate folks when it when it comes to press release marketing. Not a lot of people know about the value of it. And you know, I'm not. I'm. I wasn't even very familiar with it until I started talking to you and about how powerful it is. Uh, so definitely, I think that's uh, tremendous. Uh, that's great advice. Uh, I'm curious. Can you um, obviously? Uh, you've given us a lot of uh, important life lessons and, and provided great wisdom. Uh, in addition to that, what other important life lessons do you want to share with folks that you've learned yourself or from others? Uh, and this goes not just for entrepreneurs and marketers, but just for everyone. I would say that find out what works for you and uh, really commit yourself to it. I think a lot of people feel like they have to be everywhere. They have to be on Instagram. They have to be on Facebook. They have to have, uh, you know, email their customers. They have to, you know, maybe build, have a podcast. And, and, and for a lot of people, that's asking too much. So what is authentic to you? Do you like to send newsletters to your customers? Then maybe that plus a blog might be all that you do. Uh, and and maybe you pay someone to take your blog and you know put it out there on some social media, or you do it a little bit yourself here and there. But I I, I feel like you don't have to be master of, of every space and place. I'm not on um, a lot of you know social media uh, as as much as I am in other places and things like that. So I just you know figure out what what's comfortable with you. Me, I'm a writer, so my blog is kind of important to me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like to, you know, I, I've learned that, you know, talking to my customers is important. So, uh, you know, sending newsletters to my customers occasionally uh, is, is something that's important to me. So I, I feel like find marketing that works for you and your business that is that feels authentic for you. And for some people, mm-hmm. you know, it might be care packages once a year or at a major milestone you know, or, or something like that. Um, I, I just think that uh, uh, so many people are, when it comes to marketing, get lost and distracted by all the shiny objects. And so mm-hmm. they, tend, they tend to do a little bit of everything, but none of it very well. And so pick one or two things that you decide you're going to go really deep and do extremely well. Um, yeah, you know, if 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 uh, Twitter is going to be that for you, get in there deep and do Twitter better than everybody else in your industry, or you know, give the experts in your industry a run for their money. Uh, if it's going to be a blog, you know, then you know, commit to it and build some really great blog posts, and and don't shortchange it. But I, I think that if you feel if I if you feel like you have to do everything, including uh, a podcast and a blog <laughs> and everything else, I, you, you can run yourself really thin, and you can really lose the joy that you had in starting a business. And so I would say try to uh, keep that joy and find a, a, a way of communicating and and uh, you know 
talking to audiences out there that just seems natural for you. And, uh, you know, over time you can add more. There's no reason you can't have all of that at some point. Uh, maybe you hire someone to help you with social media. Maybe you hire somebody who puts you in a, uh, a position to easily podcast with minimal effort. Uh, all of that can be done later, but just find what works for you now and uh, own certain parts of your business really well. And, you know, I, I, I don't get distracted by feeling, oh, I, I, I just found out about Pinterest and now I've got to be on Pinterest <laughs> as well. Uh, because uh, it, 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 is, it is tiring and there are so many opportunities in marketing. You're never going to be able to do it all. And you shouldn't feel that you have to. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, because I think when it comes to marketing, a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs are, are sort of lost. There's obviously a lot of shiny objects. Like you said, there's so many options and it's easy to get overwhelmed. And, you know, you, but you, you say that you, they have to pick one avenue that is authentic to them that they really believe in, whether it's blogging or, or whether it's social media, figure it out, stay committed to it. Uh, and I think that's so important because obviously if they do a little of everything, it's exhausting. And, and you know the old saying, a jack of all trades and master of none. So right. you got to pick one it, thing. It, yeah. yeah, It's the same thing with uh, press releases. Uh, we see a lot of people who say, I've heard about press releases. I'm going to give this one a shot. And I said, one press release? And they go, yeah. And if this doesn't work, then press releases don't work for me. And I say, wow, uh, you know, do you, do you advertise on Google? And they go, yes. And I said, how many ad impressions or clicks do you allow before you decide it doesn't work? And they go, well, I don't really understand what you mean. And I'm like, well, you're saying one press release is going to determine whether PR works for my business. I didn't write the press release. I didn't put the strategy behind the press release. That may not be the best press release to get you media coverage, but yet that's how you're judging it. It's almost like judging a, a, an advertising campaign saying, okay, we got three clicks on our ad. Now let's sit and watch and see if they convert. And if they don't, you know, advertising doesn't work for our business, uh, you know, without taking into consideration the ad, the landing page, and who who those three people were that clicked on the ad? Was that even the right audience? And so I, I was, will say for anybody who is considering PR, you really should commit to a proper PR campaign, and that's usually six or more releases. Um, you don't have to do them all at once. You can spread them out over a year um, or whatever seems natural for your business. But you really don't know whether PR will or won't work for you until you've tried several different approaches. And uh, I, I've, I've had to educate some of my customers on that where they basically send a very similar release three or four times. And uh, uh, I, I recently put together a whole press release strategy program for people to build a PR campaign. And uh, it, it's a masterclass. And the things that I do is I educate them on different topics and hooks that they can use. One, for example, is data. The, the journalists love numbers. So come up with a survey or study that you've conducted and then send that to the media. Journalists love that stuff. And if you have 100 or more respondents, that usually passes the, the with um, uh, journalists and, and that they'll write about it. 
And a lot of people are like, well, I don't know who I'd send it to. Well, send it to your customers or send it to your leads. And if you don't have uh, enough, uh, you can just align yourself with a small trade association. Small trade associations are very neglected. The big trade mm-hmm. associations get all the attention, and they sort of get left uh, on the sidelines. They do have strong members, though, and they're usually pretty loyal, so they'll often send a survey out for you. Uh, and you may even consider co-branding the study or survey with them because that will help you when you do your press release. It gives you a little more credibility that you, uh, you did this survey with that trade association. They'll send it out. You can do it through SurveyMonkey or through mm-hmm. Google Forms and get the results and, and publish them. I always say to throw in two to three questions because those are the ones that the media love. They love mm. the quirky questions. Uh, we <laughs> did one for an auto repair shop in Pennsylvania that they sent out uh, through a small trade association to independent auto repair shops, other shops just like them. And uh, they got, uh, one of the survey questions was, what's the strangest thing you ever found in a customer's car? And they got responses like boa constrictor, uh, grandma in an urn, things like that. And when uh, the article started to appear, many of them picked that as top 10 strangest things found in people's cars uh, at the auto repair shop. And, uh, you know, and, and they got major media pickup everywhere, including local media. Um, and, you know, when we designed it, we thought it would do well with the trade publications. But I also said, I'm not sure your customers are going to see it, which was fine with them, because they were looking to get some media attention and to get some uh, links uh, to help their SEO. And so they got lots of trade publications linking to them, and uh, it worked very well from their SEO. But also customers were coming in saying, I saw you in the local paper, and uh, I saw you online. And so uh, th- those are some crazy stories and things like that. So uh, that's something anyone can do. It doesn't matter how newsworthy you are. A small independent auto repair shop in Pennsylvania, they're, they're, they're probably not doing much different than every other auto repair shop, but yet that worked for them. Uh, another thing that uh, I talk about in my strategies is looking at your industry for blind spots. Uh, we had a local carpet company in New Jersey. I can't think of uh, a business that can be any less newsworthy than that. And uh, they had uh, approached us uh, to handle a campaign for them, uh, one of our higher-end services. And mm-hmm. we, did, we did it for five months, nothing. It was like I felt guilty taking their money. And I told them, I said, I, I don't know what else we can do. Let's brainstorm again. So we brainstormed, and I said, who's your real enemy? And I thought it'd be another local carpet company, but it wasn't. It was actually um, the big box home improvement stores. They said that they get all the leads. They come in with the cheapest price. They do a, a really adequate carpet, but the padding, even the upgraded padding is really poor. And the people who install it, it's never the same company. They just go down a list of uh, contractors and just, say, are you available to install tomorrow? Are you able to install Wednesday? And, uh, and so they talked to me about how they have to market against the big box home improvement stores. And so we did a press release on that, and they got picked up in almost every four trade publications. Wow. It turns, it turns out uh, their people loved marketing, and they weren't getting it. The trade publications were never talking about marketing, and yet this article uh, really resonated, and they got – 
so much pickup from it. And we continue to talk about marketing, and they continue to get media pickup as a result of it. And this is wow. what they did that was really smart. They put together a binder, and they also got picked up in a local newspaper and a state magazine, and they uh, made copies of it and put it in this big um, album. And when they went to go give someone a quote, they would hand the album to them and open it up and show, we've been picked up by this floor trade publication, this wow. industry magazine, this our local newspaper, our other places. And just to let you know, we're not going to come in with the cheapest quote. We're probably going to be about 5 or 6% higher, but uh, none of the other guys are going to give you an adequate padding. This is the padding we use and why we use it. It's the best. We don't even sell a lower-grade pad because they just give out after eight years, and you're going to blame us for having a mediocre carpet in eight years. And it's not the carpet's fault. It's the padding's fault. And then he says, and also, uh, uh, you know, all of our installers are salaried. They stay with us for decades. They were, you know, they get benefits. And the people that the big box home improvement stores use are not. And uh, they can't even tell you who's going to install your floor. And uh, they, you won't know until the person shows up. And he goes, and they're not going to probably be installing for them in three months. And so mm-hmm. that's the difference with us. We're, we cost a little bit more, but we're worth it. They'd always said that, but nobody believed them. When they said it after showing them all of these, this credibility that they've been picked, because it's an implied endorsement when a publication prints something about you. When they write an article about you, it's basically like they've chosen you as the subject of this. It's like a, a vetting in a place. All of a sudden, when they said uh, all of those things, it came across as being authentic. And they started closing about 20% more sales as a result of just that book. They call it the big brag book, and they take it around, and all their salespeople had it, and it worked, and it worked very effectively. And and that was something that they did on their own and told me about it after the fact. I just thought it was brilliant Um, because, you know, it is true that when someone uh, discovers you in an article uh, or reads about you, they often go to your website and buy because they have that good feeling and they want to do business with that company, they don't think about opening another window and saying, should I search for this on Amazon to see if I can get it a little bit cheaper? They, they're not going to price shop. They want to do business with you. And, and that's what happens with uh, earned media. Wow. That's amazing. And thank you. I love these stories, uh, these success stories. And <laughs> And uh, that that brag book is what he called it. And <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I, I I love that a lot. Obviously, when you're featured in a, a publication, a journal like that, it, it it obviously gives a firm credibility, authority, and whatnot. Um, it's almost as if uh, customers can look at that and feel like they've been vetted, so to speak. And um, so I think that it's amazing that you get results like that for firms. And obviously, you have to educate them first about the value of PR or press release marketing and, and, but you, you get these kind of results for folks. And I think that's incredible and whatnot. It it gets me thinking about, uh, because I don't run into a lot of folks who do this kind of marketing. Um, So I don't, I don't know if it's how common or rare it is. I I run into people who do more SEO stuff or uh, maybe, you know, Google, social media, you know, the, all (laughs) the traditional kind of things, but uh, it's, uh, I don't often meet the PR marketing, but now I realize from talking to you how effective it is 
how the strong results it gets for folks. And you mentioned in the beginning of your answer how um, a lot of people, they want fast results. They, um, they want that instant gratification, uh, but uh, they have to realize that they have to pick an avenue uh, for marketing. And like you said before, they have to commit. And usually that means they have to give it time. They can't just do a one and done. And if I don't see anything, that's it. And, they, and obviously there's different approaches when it comes to press releases. You mentioned that one type may, may not be as effective, but you have to try other types. So there's different formats with it, which I, I didn't realize until you told me that. So um, thank you for educating me <laughs> on, on how PR marketing works. And you mentioned how when it comes to educating, you offer a master class, right? Um, right. When it comes to helping folks. And so that's incredible. I, I definitely would love to uh, take a look at that. And uh, so, but did, I, again, I love these uh, success stories and whatnot. And you talked about the quirky questions and how that got results and whatnot. <laughs> and something simple is that it obviously goes back to your creativity and you're a poet, of course. So, uh, and you can come up with these kind of ideas and it gets, you know, these, these simple ideas, but it gets major results. And so again, thank you so much for that. Um, I guess my next question is, uh, what uh, and I give this to everyone. What book recommendations do you have for folks? Sure. So uh, for me, the um, I, I really resonated with the eighty twenty sales and marketing by Perry Marshall. Um, it's called eighty twenty sales and marketing: the definitive guide to working less and making more. And uh, I, I've actually been in uh, Perry Marshall's uh, roundtable uh, for. Uh, in the past over several years. And uh, I've, I've made a lot of money by following the principles that are in this book. And it's basically like figuring out where most of your money is coming from and focusing on that to the exclusion of everything else. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people may not realize it, but if you look at where 80% of your headaches come from, like customer mm. support, support mm. issues, you may find that a lot of them are coming from they're, they're just not good customers. <laughs> and if, if you can find a way to filter those people out, it might be people who are attracted to the, the free trial offer. And maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe you don't have the free trial offer. Uh, if you're selling B2B, uh, there's not a huge expectation that you're going to have a free trial. But what you may find is that all your customer support issues are coming from people who are doing the free trial with no intention of ever converting to paid. And so uh, it, it's basically analyzing things like that and trying to 80-20 or use the Pareto principle to apply to your marketing and your sales. And once you figure out where 80% of your profit comes from, you can sort of say, how, how, how can I build that or focus on that? And a lot of times it simplifies, it could be simplifying your business. Uh, you know, it could be that your business offers five things, but it might be that, uh, um, you know, uh, developing WordPress themes or customizing WordPress themes for your clients makes up 80% of your revenue. How, mm -hmm. how, how, uh, how big could your company grow 
if you stopped offering those four other items that only account for 20% of your revenue, how better of a business could you be if you could focus on the 80% that you're really killing it at right now and get rid of all the other stuff, which is distractions and things like that. So that, that, that was very useful for me and helped mm. get me from being distracted uh, by other people saying, you need to expand your offering. You need to offer mm. PR firm type services. You need to offer, uh, you know, SEO type press releases that don't reach the media and things like that. And I was just like, no, that's not what I'm about. And that's not where my revenue is coming from. And so uh, I, I like it. It, it. There's a lot of great principles in the book. It's very um, easy to read, very easy to understand. And it is kind of timeless. The book was originally published in 2013. Nothing is really out of date because it's basically looking at a business and the processes in place and figuring out uh, you know, where your profit's coming from, where your headaches are coming from, where your labor is being utilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you, you might find that 20%, uh, 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 you might find that, uh, you know, 80% of uh, your labor is mm-hmm. involved in just a small, big contract that you might have that you've negotiated uh, that's a big contract, but the profit's not very sizable. Maybe you shouldn't be expending so much labor on uh, that. And so it, it's it's the kind of things like that that get people uh, to really think through and do the math on a lot of things. Because a lot of people do feel they have to land the big corporate client, mm-hmm. uh, even if it means that there's not much profit in it. And what they may find is that they just, you know, obligated themselves to a lot of labor and things like that. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, actually, I'm very familiar with the 80-20 um, principle Pareto, I think, law or rule, I believe. And I think it's definitely true. Definitely going to check out this book by Marshall. You said you made a lot of money with it. So uh, even more encourage- encouragement for me to, to read this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you, you mentioned something interesting, how some customers may, may be more trouble than they're worth, and it might be okay to uh, filter them out. I, I truly believe that um, to maybe fire a customer if you have to. And uh, so uh, I think there, there's definitely a lot of uh, truth to that. And so definitely going to check out that book. Thank you so much. Now, my understanding is you've also written a book yourself. You're an Amazon uh, best-selling author. Right. And I just actually published another book this week. Um, and uh it's basically a book based off that mastermind that I had created. Mm-hmm. So I have the beginner's guide to writing powerful press releases that I published a few years ago, and that was an Amazon bestseller. And then I just recently published the uh, PR Strategy Manifesto, uh, which is eight steps to build a PR campaign designed to get massive media coverage. Uh, you don't have to buy that book on Amazon, though. Um, you can get it free. Uh, it's part of that master class that I talked about. And uh, uh, you can go to ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N, and I've made the masterclass available for free there for anyone who wants to take it. It's under an hour. You can sign up and get a copy of that uh, latest book that I did, as well as the slides and notes from the, uh, the, the masterclass. 
And um, you, it goes through a lot of these winning strategies that you can implement to basically build a PR campaign yourself. Um, the, the survey and study example that I gave you is one. Um, the looking at your industry for blind spots like the carpet company did when it came to marketing, that's one. But it's just chock full of, of things like that that are very actionable. And any company, no matter how non-newsworthy they feel that they are, can implement a lot of these strategies and actually get media attention as a result of it. And, again, that's at ereleases.com slash plan. Wonderful. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, thank you so much for that. And um, I'm curious, uh, would you ever uh, start or create your own podcast? I think you'd be great as a podcaster. <laughs> you know, it, it is something I've really been thinking about. Um, I, I've uh, made a concerted effort this year to, to do a, a few more interviews, and I felt like uh, once I saw the different varieties of them that are out there, I would better understand which type of podcast I'd want to launch. Uh, but it is something that I am thinking about doing uh, later this year. Wonderful. Um, just so you know, uh, when you do, uh, or if and when you do start that podcast, I'm definitely going to be listening. So uh, keep me posted. Uh, you'll have okay. at least one listener, and uh, I'm sure many more. Uh, so, uh, again, so thank you for that. And, um, uh, you know, this has been a, a very enlightening, inspiring, and uh, educational uh, conversation. And uh, so uh, can you, um, and thank you again uh, for being a guest on the show, and, and thanks to the audience for listening. Can you go ahead and describe the ways people can get in touch with you if they want to use or if they know someone who can use sure. your services? So, right. So my website is ereleases.com, and uh, basically on the lower right is all of our social media. And uh, the LinkedIn link is directly goes to my LinkedIn, so you can contact me there. Um, if you have any questions about press releases or PR or want to just talk to someone about that, uh, I would recommend opening a chat or just clicking on the call button on our website or contact. And, uh, again, you're just going to speak to one of the editors. There's six of, of them, and uh, any of them could help you or walk you through the process. But feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I do respond uh, not as quickly as I, I, I'd like to, but I, I generally check it a few times a week. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. The information you provided will be available for people to see and read um, in the episode description area. Uh, so, again, uh, thank you for that. And, again, thank you for being a guest on the show. Uh, is there? Do you want to leave us with any last word or final send-off? Um, I would just say that, you know, it's hard being a small business, and it's hard to figure out what's going to work for you and not work. I would just say uh, from a cost-benefit analysis. PR is a very affordable thing to try and uh, commit to a series of those and, and give it an attempt. If you take that strategy uh, masterclass that I have, you'll definitely come up with a press release, I feel, that's got a much higher standard and likelihood of, of being picked up. And you can really do well with a, a really good press release. It can help drive traffic to your website, improve your SEO from the links that you get from major news sites. And also, uh, you know, the customers that you get through PR uh, are generally your most profitable and most loyal customers. They rarely price shop. They want to do business with that company they read about. Wow. 
Um, I've learned so much from you about PR marketing. Uh, it's like you're the teacher, not the student. So um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure the, you got it, man. And the master class, I'm sure, is, is definitely going to be amazing. I'll definitely check it out. Um, thank you again uh, for being a guest and providing us with all this wisdom and, for me, a lot of new information. And uh, I'm sure the audience feels the same way. Thank you to everyone listening to the audience. I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. Everyone, uh, take care and um, have a, a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcasts app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, so... Uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a, a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, that would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.